Hello and welcome to the Dear Citrus Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hodgen, and I'm a food and beverage lover. From design to development and all the in-between, this podcast is about my life as a 20-something-year-old navigating the ups and downs of the everyday. So grab a cup of matcha or your favorite functional beverage, get cozy, and let's dive in. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 7 a.m. EST for a brand new episode. Hello, Delaney. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I would love for you to introduce yourself and everything that you do for work. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, I'm Delaney Vetter. I am based out of Brooklyn. I am a PR strategist and copywriter slash messaging consultant for CPG brands, primarily working with emerging to mid-size typically women-owned food and beverage brands in the space. And I've been doing this on my own for the last over three years now. That's amazing. I It's so cool. Like, And I'm so glad we got connected, like kind of randomly through yeah. I was looking for a copywriter for a project and we connected via Snackshot, which feels like how all the connections are coming through. But it's so nice to meet other women in the CPG space that are like in the creative side of it and not necessarily the brand side of it. And for the people listening that don't know what a PR strategist does and don't know a lot about the space, can you tell them a little bit more about like what this looks like in your day-to-day, month-to-month? For sure. Good question. Yeah. So I feel like if anyone is self-employed, they know that everyone's just making up titles for themselves. Like it all just – it all means what you want it to mean, I guess. Literally. Um, but for me – Some people – I would say that I'm equivalent to what people would say is like a publicist, and I do refer to myself as a publicist sometimes, but I think sometimes brands know they need PR, but publicist sounds like in the celebrity universe sometimes Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, like Taylor Swift's publicist or so-and-so. And And so for me, I do more than like traditional media relations as well. And so the strategist part kind of feels like we're doing more strategy like for the growth of your brand than just media relations. We're working on event activations and some influencer relations sometimes, brand partnerships and collaborations with other creators or celebrities. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, And then overall, just like positioning your brand, um, which is probably like one of the big things that I work on. Um, but media relations and kind of classic, as you would think about it, PR is where I spend a lot of my time. And that landscape does look really different now with people shopping online and magazines. There aren't as many in print mm-hmm. and affiliate and all of that stuff and e-com. And we could get into all of that later if you want to, too. But the landscape has changed a lot. So what PR looked like 15 years ago is really different than it looks now or even five years ago. Um, And so on a day-to-day basis, I guess like a week-to-week, normally what I'm doing is having conversations with my clients on what's going on in their business. Are they launching a new flavor? Are they launching into a new retailer? Are they doing something really interesting on the business side that's newsworthy? I'm using air quotes because newsworthy – really just means it's newsworthy to whoever you're sending it to. And someone might think it's interesting and someone might not. Um, And yeah, I'm letting my kind of network and expanded network of journalists and editors know the news from that brand and what's going on. I like a base level 
And then expanded from that, there's like more storytelling beyond just the news. So for instance, I would go and say, okay, these are the angles that really are interesting to me about this product or about this founder, about this brand. And who would be interested in this information and might have a spot in their editorial calendar to tell a story like this. So maybe it's around, you know, like mom-owned businesses. And I'm like, hey, these are my clients that are all run by moms. And here's why, you know, motherhood and entrepreneurship is such an interesting combination. Or talking about, is there a trend we're seeing? For instance, if someone's seeing, oh, People are really interested in elevated pantry staples right now. Like that's trending on Google Trends or that's what a lot of influencers are talking about is they want like the beautiful items on their counter. Mm -hmm. I'll go and find an angle that works with my client for that and reach out to the right people. This is like such a bird's eye view way of talking about it. It's like almost a little silly, but um, (laughs) Yeah. So really, essentially, like my job in a nutshell is to help brands like find their stories and there are multiple, find those angles and then figure out how to tell them in the way that makes the most sense for their positioning and for the way they want to be perceived. And then to take that information and share that with the right people at the right time. I love it. That was a great explanation. Um, Yeah. I think it's so interesting because like coming from myself who's on the creative side and like on the very much design side of things to then hear what you're doing. It's really cool to think how like everything works together so well. There's so many facets to getting your brand and your story out there. Well, and obviously on like the copy side of things, like the reason I do both is because you have to have a good story Mm -hmm. to be good at PR. And something that's really important to me is there are brands that I – get reached out to by brands all the time that have a really wonderful story and really great teams, but their branding is just not there. Right. And I mean, and there's, you know, it's a a lot of it's subjective, but at this point I really know I'm like, okay, well, media is not going to want to put that in a story because your images aren't really high quality or your packaging is just doesn't feel very, elevated or premium if that's kind of what you're going for and so it all goes together like every single piece of it and I think that's what's really hard for a lot of early stage brands when you don't have the budget to necessarily do everything all at once is to figure out like what to prioritize for absolutely tricky absolutely yeah it can it's interesting you're saying that about like the packaging and design and things like that, not really matching the rest of it. Cause I feel like I've seen so many early on brands and I'm like, Oh, I love this facet of it, but like, it doesn't feel like it's all pulling together. And it's hard, especially as a new brand to feel like you can do everything. And like you're saying, have the budget, especially and the bandwidth to do it all. Yeah. I, it's, it's such a tricky thing too, because you'll see the opposite sometimes. And I see this a lot where, there will be a brand that I think it's easier for brands sometimes to understand that they need good design or that they need good photography because it's so like obvious. Right. Um, and I've had so many brands that I've either known or that have reached out to me because they, you know, blew their whole budget on this really expensive design agency, which does wonderful work. Like the, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. But then they're like, oh, shoot. We we have to provide all the copy and they're not doing that. 
So now we have to either DIY it ourselves and maybe they're good writers, maybe they're not. Um, and also like writing, being a good writer and being a good like copywriter for like a brand is different too. Yes. But now they have to figure out how to hire someone and how to have someone. The biggest thing is like the timing. If you if you don't know that you need a copywriter until you're on your third round of edits for your design, like for your packaging, and all of a sudden you have two weeks to get them copy. Yeah, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny to get someone to do right. it with that turnaround. And so, um, yeah, I wish – I think I wish there was like a little bit more um, – I don't know, like of a symbiotic relationship between copywriters and designers. And like I have a lot of designers that I'm like really good friends with and refer all the time and we refer back and forth. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. A lot of people kind of forget about the other pieces they need to like make it come to life because great design without words that match just feels like really disjointed and strange. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that's funny you're saying about a project and not having copy until – looking for copy until the last minute because I feel like I've ran run into that more times yeah. than I can even think about. And it's like one of those things of it feels like it should be like the obvious next step, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people it isn't because you think like, oh, you know, one person, you know, right. the they're making a packaging for me. Yeah. Right. You don't think like, oh, I need to pull in a copywriter to like actually write the words mm-hmm. that are going to be on here. And yeah, I think there's just a crazy yeah. disjoint between them. And I'm curious, like, how did you get into this space? Like, mm-hmm. what was your journey to being in PR and copywriting, but then also working for yourself and being completely on your own? Yeah. I always say that it was a little bit by accident, but that's probably that's probably diluting it a little bit, <laughs> but it kind of was. Um, I was really – I've always been obsessed with food. Since I was little, I was making my sister do like chopped Iron Chef challenges and filming them on the iPad, like skipping school when I was sick. And I would, instead of watching like Disney Channel, I was like watching Ina. So like I've been in that world for a really long time and love to cook and bake and all that stuff. And when I went to college, I was really not sure what I wanted to do with my life. I was super indecisive about it. Thinking about it now, it makes a lot of sense. Like, why do we make 17-year-olds decide what they're going to do with their life? But I was undeclared for my major for like two years. I didn't declare my major until I was a junior in college. I studied abroad my entire sophomore year, which was obviously amazing and wonderful, but I think partially because it let me push that decision off a little bit. Um, And even though I'd always loved food, I had decided when I was in high school that I didn't want to be – I didn't really know what the options were in, like, the food industry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I want to – for a while, I was like, I want to be a chef. I want to open a restaurant. I want to open a bakery. And then I was like, actually, I don't want to do that. The hours the hours are terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't get to have a lot of life outside of that a lot of the time, depending on how it's structured. And it's super, super hard work. And like props to everyone who does that. And I just was like, I don't know if that's for me. I, you know what, maybe I can love food and that can just be like my passion and my hobby and I'll have a career in something else. Mm -hmm. And so I always liked writing. I was involved in like student journalism and stuff in college, thought I would maybe do that. Um, But I knew I really liked writing the like narrative feature stories and everyone that you know graduated above me 
they went on to work in, you know, kind of a small town newspaper or like a business journal. And they were writing these stories that obviously they were like working their way up towards something. But I was like, I don't really want to like report on like crimes happening in my neighborhood. I want to like talk to really cool people about really Mm -hmm. cool things and like get the like human part of it. And then when I was a junior, I got an internship at the, I was a comm major. I decided I was like, comms broad. I can do something <laughs> with that. Yep. Um, and got an internship at this PR marketing agency in Portland that specialized in food and beverage. They were a natural food products company. And so they had companies like Bob's Red Mill, Kettle Brand Chip, Dave's Killer Bread, like all these really cool, also all like Oregon-based. I think Kettle mm-hmm. is maybe Oregon-based. Maybe they used to be, but yeah, um, really cool companies and really large companies, but still had that like small town vibe. Yes. And that was the first time I saw the possibility of working in food without being a chef. I just like didn't even know that existed. And so there I was at like 19 or whatever. And my job for the first, you know, hour every single day was to go through all the new magazines that came in and like look for um, client features, but also look for different like story ideas. So I was getting paid to look through like Bon Appetit and Sever and Food and Wine. And what it a was dream. just kind of wild. I was like, this is little Delaney's dream come true. I was like going into like the snack like closet, which is basically like this big storage room where we were packing samples for media. And I was just getting to write about food. They also had a content studio. And so I got to learn a lot about like recipe development, which I do a little bit of as well. And it was just so much fun. And I was the only intern. And I think they were like, who is this girl? Because (laughs) a lot of people – you know, they might really love food, but they're, you know, PR first and then they happen to get into the food world. And for me, like we were in the studio shooting something and we needed like a large cast iron pan. And they were like, oh, I don't think we have one big enough. We only have this like really tiny one. And I was like, oh, wait, I actually, I have one in my car and like ran out (laughs) to my car and had like a 12 inch cast iron skillet in the trunk of my station wagon. <laughs> That's incredible. I think they were like, what in the world? Right, like how are you? And it was literally because I just like love to cook and had just like it was on sale at Home Goods and I had Great. to get it the other day and I forgot I had it in my car. And I think that was like not necessarily the like catalyst to it, but that was like, oh, like food, like it clicks for me to be in this world. Um, but I still, even after that was like, but I don't know, like, I don't know if I want to work on the PR side. Like maybe I would want to work like at a magazine or something like who knows. And so still trying to figure it out. It was also just like weighing my options and, you know, like life is long. I was like, I don't need to do that right now. I can, you know, do other things. I, um, made a goal to do some recipe development for publications to pitch those. And I did that my senior year a little bit, which was wild. I like didn't know that you could just do that. <laughs> so I, I honestly did didn't really know that either. Yeah, I like did some recipes for like Food 52 and it was just so much fun and um felt like, oh, okay, like this is actually like a thing people can do. I think there's a lot of those jobs where you're like no one actually does that. Like that's Yes. Yes. That's for other people. <laughs> um and then I was getting ready to graduate, was trying to like figure out what was next. Um got home from spring break, COVID started. 
And then, you know, that verbal offer from the agency that they told me like, oh, if you're, if you want to work here, like you have a job here. I was like, hey, can I still come work there? And they're like, we're, everyone's furloughed. No, <laughs> so sorry. Oh my gosh. And so then I was like, you know, like everyone else trying to figure out like what is going on in the world, what I want to do. And um, basically the long story long of it is I had, I was doing all the informational interviews at the time because that's really all you could do. I was just getting on calls with people that I'd worked with or that, you know, I knew and asking them like what advice they had for graduating seniors and someone I worked with. Hi, Rachel, if you're listening. Um, she went on to work at Nike as a copywriter. Um, she had been at that agency with me when I was a little baby intern and it went like every other call went where it was like, they were like, we're so sorry. This is happening during your senior year. Like we're so, so sorry. (laughs) Or they just like feel so bad for you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, there it's always, always the same thing. Like, I really wish I had something for you. I wish I could help. Like, you're going to be okay. Like it's going to be fine. And, you know, I didn't expect anything else from those conversations. Like that was, that was plenty. It was just nice mm-hmm. to feel like heard and seen. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, and like, what else could they do? Like people were getting fired. People were getting horribly sick. Like that. me as a little college senior looking for a job who could go live at home, like, you know, yeah, small potatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so a couple of days later, like after we had that call, she texted me and said, hey, a friend of mine is looking for some help on PR and copy. Would you be interested in talking to her? And she was like, it would be a couple hours a week, like nothing. I was like, right. yes, I'm about to be so bored. I'm going mm-hmm. from four years of college to then nothing and can't even have a job. Like this is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spoke with her and – you know, was living at home and started what was meant to be like five hours a week turned into not five hours a week and a lot of work. And then she referred me to other friends of hers. And all of a sudden by August of 2020, I had this full client load that I never really like sought out to have. And I'm glad in hindsight that I understood that that was not common because I think I had a really clear idea that this was not how it normally goes. Like normally people, if they're trying to go out on their own, they're like hustling hard. And I was working really hard. I was working like over, you know, 60, 70 hours a week at the time. It was absolutely insane. But I had nothing else to do. I was like, (laughs) Might as well. Um, I was like, it's COVID. I literally can't do anything else. Um, And – but all – a lot of those clients just came to me and – you know, it was because that initial client um, ended up, you know, really – I what I know now is I was way undercharging and, of course, she didn't want to let me go. And mm-hmm. there was a whole other can of worms there. It was not a good experience. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. Uh, but they never, the first ones never are. Um, mm-hmm. That is very true. And, um, yeah, I worked for her and people in that space for about six months and um, – then kind of around August, I had gotten a job offer for this at this food company, actually. But it was one of those jobs that seems really cool when you first talk to them. Mm-hmm. And then after five interviews for oh an entry-level job. That's just ridiculous. 
it was wild. And I had to do like assignments and I did all this stuff for them. And, um, you know, it wasn't paying great. And I, you know, and I got the offer and was just like not excited about it. Yeah. Which felt super weird to be like, everyone wants a job right now. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like talked to my dad and I was like, can we crunch some numbers? Like, I want to understand like where I'm at now and what this would be. And basically it was like, okay, you're making about the same as this job would be. And you get to work for yourself. And, you know, like I kind of had this idea of like, let me just give this a real shot. Because at that point I was just kind of like going with the flow, like seeing where it would take me. And that August I like made my website. I like made an Instagram account. I really was like, I'm going to, if I'm going to give this a try, I'm going to give this a try. Cause I feel like I've given an opportunity that not everyone has. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of things going for me. I was living at home rent free. I had no like outside responsibilities mm-hmm. at, on that time, which was like super lucky to have that opportunity. And, um, I like wanted to, to try. And so then I was like, okay, I don't want to be working in this industry that I'm working in. These people feel really misaligned with my values. I'm not into it. But I think if I could move into the food world, I would be really, really happy. And so then I started trying to like position myself that way and then had one food client and then that went to other ones. And now it's all food all the time. That's so fun. That was not a short, that was, that was not a short story. I I really drew it out. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's so interesting because it's so funny how many people that I talk to and I ask them how they got into it and it's like COVID is just this like major catalyst for starting something, for working for yourself, for just creating something in general and Mm -hmm. I think the same thing in my life like that. It just gave a lot of time to actually focus on the things you want to focus on and that you feel like you have the time and freedom. done this if it wasn't. Um, Yeah. And I feel like you feel this way too. Like it – obviously was like a really, really, really hard few years. But looking back on it now from the outside, I mean, I know, I know what I would have done. I would have gone and I would have worked an agency and been fine. Like it would have been fine. It would have been a good experience. And maybe I would have gone in-house. Like, I don't really know, but, um, our like senior year, our one of our professors had us write this like five year, ten year like dream life plans. It's from like the, it's from a Stanford, I don't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll send it to you. But it's yes, this, basically see. like Stanford professor put together this program that's like basically putting together your like life plan. Oh, de- oh, it's design your life. It's oh, called design yes. your life from Stanford. But um, she had us do that, and I remember thinking it was like so cute and silly, and it was like basically like putting together a mood board for the different directions your life could go. It Mm -hmm. was one that's like the path you're on would be pretty easy to follow the steps. One that would be also pretty easy to follow the steps, but like maybe a little bit different, maybe like a different industry or different job. And then one that would be like, if all bets were off and you could do like anything, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And my like big dreamy plan was I'm working for myself. I'm writing. I'm like living in France and like, you know, and that was supposed to be like five or 10 years in the future. And I like found that recently and it was like so cute and special to look back on. I'm like, oh, I like did live in Europe for like four months last year and like 
like these things that, um, yeah, like little, little college Delaney would have been like, whoa, that's wild. I just never would have thought about that. And like COVID really did make that happen in a weird way. It's so funny that you're saying like, oh, like little you would be so like shocked and, you know, just yeah. happy with where you are because every time I've been getting like stressed or just like frustrated about things recently, I'm like little me would be thrilled over Lord. the moon yeah. if she knew what I was doing now. And like – You're like, I get to like draw and design for my job. How fun. I feel like it just kind of brings you back down to earth and like grounds you in this like you are doing something really cool and like even though it may seem yeah. – stressful in the moment like it's you know it's all for a better purpose a better cause you know it's more than just a frustration in your job for sure yeah no I love I love thinking that I mean it's hard sometimes when you're like really in it you're like oh my god this is horrible this is so hard and then you're like okay this is actually like really cool that this is what I get to call work so yeah I know. I yeah, it's sometimes crazy and like when you were saying before about not sharing like not sure what your job title is or like how you would call yourself and position yourself like I feel like every time recently I go to introduce myself to somebody I'm like uh I do this this and this yeah. and I'm not really sure how I'm going to frame it all but like here's all of the things and that's how yeah, I tend I, to go too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like I also here's think like a it's bullet maybe like list. a younger thing too. Like I I have some friends who do the same thing I do mm-hmm. and they would call themselves like a founder or mm-hmm. a CEO of like an agency or of like a consultancy. And I've always like – and I know this is a me thing. have like cringed away from being like I'm a business owner or I'm an entrepreneur. Yes. Even though that's literally true. <laughs> right, right. But I think – Maybe it's because, like, the first clients I had were in the, like, online business girl boss space. Mm. And I was like, why are we all calling ourselves entrepreneurs when we're, like, not really doing that much, really? Yes. Um, And I think it just had that – I think sometimes I'm like, oh, that kind of has that, like, boss babe, Mm -hmm. like, connotation to it, even though I know it's not. But I'm getting better about it. I'm getting like, oh, I own this. I own this company or I'm running this company because I am. I'm like doing all the same things. It just – I think that's probably like an imposter syndrome thing that we're all just going to have to get over. (laughs) Oh, literally. I I deal with the same exact thing because I'm like, yeah, I own an agency. I guess I'm quote, unquote, a founder and CEO and whatever. But then I'm like – I always am just like, I'm self-employed. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I do all these things and feel like, oh, do you like do them for somebody else? I'm like, no, I do them for myself. And they're like, yes. so you own a business. I'm like, yeah, I guess you could say that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, I was I at like know. a networking holiday party the other night and one of my friends also does PR. And whenever we were together and we introduce ourselves, they're like, oh, you guys work for the same agency. And we're like, no. And I always say, like, no, we're both doing our own thing. And I'm like, that's such a funny way to say it. Like I could just yeah. say we both have our own companies. <laughs> It's yeah, it's just this like imposter syndrome. And I also kind of feel like it goes back to like, I don't know, like job titles now, like even at another company, make no sense to me. Like oh, I feel like all they, made up. Right. They aren't on par with like what you're doing at all. They don't feel like they fit the level that you're right. at. So even when I'm like looking at what other people call themselves, it's some like weird name that I'm like, this doesn't yeah. help me whatsoever. So I'm just like, I'll give you the bullet point list and you exactly. can figure out what to call I also me. think that's more helpful because I mm-hmm. think like you were saying, like if you look at a company, like none of it makes sense. Like for me, and maybe this is just me like PRing my way around the situation. 
a lot of people don't know what PR means or a lot of people don't know what, if you get down to like the nitty gritty, like what that really means, Mm -hmm. especially like one of my friends is a social media manager and what she does and what another social media manager does is like so different. So I'm like, we might as well just like hammer out the like bullet points of our job description. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm curious, like how do you balance like being so online and being just like you were saying before you had previously worked like 60, 70 hours a week Mm -hmm. and like really just pushing yourself. And even as we kind of come up on the holiday season and it's almost here, like a week away, like how are you prioritizing your personal life, your health, things like that with being online and running a business and Mm -hmm. having to answer to clients and things like that? Because I always find the balance to be very difficult and I'm curious like what your perspective is. So I think moving to New York, I moved to New York in February. Um, Before that, I was living either at home in Michigan or in Utah or kind of digital nomading, even though I don't like that word, but I was doing that. (laughs) Um, And I think it's a lot easier for me to find a little bit more – I'll use the word balance right now and then I'll circle back, but I use like a little bit more balance here because before like I genuinely like didn't really – also it was like peak COVID. I was being pretty careful and so I didn't really have a ton of social life mm-hmm. for like two years. All my best friends live in Portland where I went to college and so my social life was FaceTiming with them and occasionally getting coffee with like a random friend who might have been in town. So mm-hmm. – it was really limited and because it was just kind of me at home, I think a lot of it also was like an anxiety, like coping mechanism for me of keep working because then I don't have to think about like the big scary things going on yes. in the world. Um, I'm definitely like an, an anxiety avoider like that. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, I just have to stay busy. And also I really like being busy. Like that's mm-hmm. always been something for me. Like I like having a full schedule and I think – in college, my schedule was full of like school and work and friends. And then when all of a sudden it was like just work, it's not like I can keep that in its own little box. It just would mm-hmm. like, it's like, what is that? What is that thing like the goop or whatever that just expands yes. to whatever form you put it yes. in? <laughs> oh, it's a gack. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. Um, But I feel like it would just expand to the amount of space that I had. And so it just was like, okay wake up, work, do it, whole thing. And I liked I liked it a lot of the time. And so it didn't feel as work-related. When I was like working until like 2 a.m. sometimes, then I was like, this is getting a little old. But right. it was mostly my doing. Um, you know, sometimes clients don't make that an easy thing to say no to. But mm-hmm. a lot of it was just me just like filling, filling the space. And so when I moved to New York and all of a sudden – had the ability, which I really was craving. Like that's, I needed to be somewhere where I could like start building community in person. Um, Cause I also am like a huge extrovert. So basically having like two years of like really very little social interaction yes. was like not good for me. <laughs> I was um, in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. It's really rough. And so I knew I needed that. And I'd really played around with the idea of like moving abroad for a longer period of time or kind of continuing the like work from here for a month, work from here for a month. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I found with that is 
unless I moved somewhere like fully, I would never really immerse myself because a lot of times like I knew people in those cities. Like I met people in Copenhagen, I met people in Paris and, and, and like the other places in France I was, but if I'm only there for a month, like I know that if someone told me they were only there for a month, Mm -hmm. I would obviously like, I love new friends and like more is more, but I could see people not wanting to like invest as much into those friendships because you don't know where it's going to go. And so for me, I was like, okay, it'll be really great for my work to be here, but it'll also be so good for me to like start building just like more community. And I think moving here, I was like, okay, now I have my work bucket, but then I'm able to go do some of these work things in person with real people. So I can go have these meetings in real life at a coffee shop, or I can go meet with editors in their offices and not just email with them, which Mm -hmm. was such a game changer for me. Um, And then also have like the social life on top of that. And so I think it definitely has made it better and more complicated at the the same time. Um, But I had a mentor person in college who was an agency owner. And I asked her the same question. I was like, how do you balance like your work and life. And, you know, she was a mom. And so she also had like that going for her too. And um, she told me, she was like, I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in work-life flow. And I've always liked her definition of that where she's like, there's no way you're, it's ever going to be balanced. And the like struggle to get to that, it's just making people feel nuts. Mm -hmm. And so her thing was, having her work and life like work together and like flow together in a way that made sense for her. And so being like, okay, I'm like with the kids for this time and I'm like really focused on that. And then I'm in work and I'm really focused on that, but I can also like weave in between the two in a way that like makes sense. And so I don't really know what that looks like. And I don't really know what that means for me, but I've always liked that perspective on it. I like that. That's such a nice way to put it because that's something that like I've been thinking about so much recently as we're like nearing the end of the year and just like kind of reflecting on the past year. I'm like, what the heck is any form of balance in my life? Like how am I balancing anything? And I've talked to a lot of people that have been on the podcast or just like Mm -hmm. friends and work friends and stuff like that. And I'm like, how do you balance it? Like what does this mean to you? And everybody's kind of like, we're trying our best. Like I don't know. And so – I like the idea of work-life flow. That's like a nice way to look at it. I had somebody yeah. tell me that in like the bigger picture of things, they looked at it all as like seasons of life and mm-hmm. you didn't have to be yeah. doing the same thing or have the same perspective on how you're working or how much time you're putting into work, you know, it doesn't have to be the same all the time. And yeah, I think like both of those things in tandem are quite comforting when you can feel mm-hmm. like you have to keep pushing and pushing, especially as we're nearing the end of the year and then we're going to have a new year where it's going to be so busy to start. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's nice well, to hear different perspectives. I think the online part of it that you were asking about too that I glazed over is <laughs> – um, yeah, I think that honestly is like the hardest thing for me is it's so easy with like my phone in my hand and my like laptop next to my bed <laughs> that I can mm-hmm. just – be kind of on all the time. And I think when you're running your own business, in a way you have to be, um, you know, it's not like I can clock in and clock out. And, um, you know, if a client needs something, like I'm usually around, I have built pretty good boundaries, I think, for myself in the last couple of years. And 
I've gotten a lot better about saying no, not perfect, but a lot better about saying no about things and being like, that's outside of the scope and just like really setting those expectations early on. And also my clients, like for the most part, every brand I've worked with in the last like three years has been like so wonderful and lovely and they're all trying to figure it out too. So it's Mm kind of like we can figure it out together and I don't want them working on their vacation and they don't want me working on mine. So that's been really nice. But I think I have to be on social media and I have to be on the internet like every single day because I'm trying to see – well, first of all, I have to be really up to date on like the news because if something's going on in the world, that's going to impact how I'm pitching Mm -hmm. or if there's, you know, a trend that I'm seeing emerging on social – um, you know, for instance, like I didn't have any clients that fit it, but last year with like the butterboard thing, yes, I had friends who I guess that was in 2022, maybe like maybe, yeah, maybe I think I so. Know. Well, I guess it, yeah, I guess like fall this time last fall, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I had some friends who had like butter clients mm. and they missed it because they, you know, like if you don't get on it right away, because they weren't on TikTok and social. And I think that's why being like a little Gen Z girl, like does put me in an advantage sometimes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, because my like PR counterparts maybe aren't as quote unquote chronically online might miss some of those things. Yeah. Um, And there are like, obviously like real pros and cons to that because in the last you know, two months with like everything that's been going on in the world, I've been on every form of social media like every day and on every news site, like monitoring everything and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And it's exhausting. It's a a lot for anyone to like, you just, no one should be doing that that much. And so I've had to kind of understand that it's okay if I'm, you know, like take a day off or something and like, don't look at it all the time. Um, and it's also hard because like food is like my hobby and like passion too. And so like it get the, the lines between like work and my like life get a little bit blurry sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why the balance thing is like, I like the flow thing better because it's like hard for me to even understand like where one stops and when one starts. Yes. And I think what you're saying about, you know, liking food and it being, you know, your passion outside of work and your job, like being difficult. Like I found the same thing because I'm like, oh, I'm going on social media because I'm looking Mm -hmm. at, you know, a recipe I want to make or I'm watching food content I like. And then I see something I'm like, oh, but like I could work with them or like here's somebody to add to my list or here's – Oh, yeah. I'm always screenshotting brands. Same. I have a million different like notes app entries of like email addresses or like Instagram tags. I have all my spreadsheets. (laughs) Oh, same. And I'm like how many – I need to have like one that just holds everything together. And talking of social media, I'm curious like what your like top like highlights of the CPG world have been in 2023. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. 2022 when I look at it, you brought up the butterboard. Like that's a big one that comes to mind and like Graza's launch I'm pretty sure was in 2022 and like those are some really big like moments. But what would you say for 2023? What kind of comes to mind is like this was a big moment in the year. Thank you so much for listening to the Dear Citrus Diaries podcast hosted by me, Lauren Hodgen. Be sure to subscribe to our Substack and follow along on Instagram and TikTok to stay in the know, discover recipes, and so much more. Find everything linked in the show notes below, and I'll catch you next Monday at 7 a.m. EST.